0: Little Soldier by Guy de Maupassant. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jason Bennett. Little Soldier by Guy de Maupassant. Every Sunday, as soon as they were free, the two little soldiers set off. On leaving the barracks they turned to the right, went through Curbevoix with long quick steps as though they were on a march, then, having left the houses behind them, they followed at a calmer gate the bare and dusty high-road which leads to Bazon, Being little and thin, they looked quite lost in their coats, which were too big and too long. The sleeves hung down over their hands, and they were much bothered by their enormous red breeches, which compelled them to walk wide under their stiff high shakos, their faces seemed like mere nothings two poor hollow breton faces simple in an almost animal simplicity and with blue eyes which were gentle and calm during the walk they never spoke they went straight on each with the same idea in his head as the other it stood them in place of conversation for the fact is that just inside the little wood near les champieux they had found a place which reminded them of their own country, and it was only there that they felt happy. When they came under the trees, where the roads from Colombe and from Chateau cross, they would take off their heavy shakos and wipe their foreheads. They always stopped a little while on the Bézanne bridge to look at the Seine. They would remain there two or three minutes, bent double, leaning on the parapet. Or sometimes they would gaze out over the great basin of Argentuil, where the skiffs might be seen scudding, with their white, slanted sails, recalling perhaps the look of the Breton water, the harbour of Vannes, near which they lived, and the fishing-boats standing out across the Morbihan to the open sea. As soon as they had crossed the Seine, they brought their provisions from the sausage-merchant, the baker, and the seller of the wine of the country. A piece of blood-pudding, four sous worth of bread, and a litre of petit bleu, constituted the provisions, which they carried off in their handkerchiefs. But after they had left this village, they now went very slowly forward, and they began to talk. In front of them, a barren plain strewn with clumps of trees led to the wood, to the little wood which had seemed to them to resemble the one at Kermervan. Grain fields and hay fields bordered the narrow path, which lost itself in this young greenness of the crops. And Jean Caderon would always say to Luc Leganidec, "It looks like it does near Plounevent." yes, exactly. They went onward, side by side, their spirits suffused with vague memories of their own country, filled with awakened images, images as naive as the pictures on the colored broadsheets which you buy for a penny. And they kept recognizing, as it were, now a corner of a field, a hedge, a bit of moorland, now a crossroads, now a granite cross. Then, too, they would always stop beside a certain landmark, a great stone, because it looked something like the cromlech at Loch nuven On arriving at the first clump of trees, Luc Le every Sunday cut a switch, a hazel switch, and began gently to peel off the bark, thinking meanwhile of the folk there at home. Jean Caleron carried the provisions. From time to time Luc mentioned a name, or recalled some doing of their childhood in a few brief words, which caused long thoughts, and their own country, their dear, distant country, repossessed them little by little, seized upon them, and sent to them from afar her shapes, her sounds, her well-known prospects, her odours, odours of the green lands where the salt sea-air was blowing. They were no longer conscious of the exhalations of the Parisian stables on which the earth of the banlieu fattens, but of the perfume of the flowering broom which the salt-breeze of the open sea plucks and bears away. And the sails of the boats, appearing above the river-banks, seemed to them the sails of the coasting vessels perceived beyond the great plain, which extended from their homes to the very margin of the waves. They went with short steps, Luc Leganidec and Jean Caderon, content and sad, haunted by a sweet melancholy, by the lingering, penetrating sorrow of a caged animal who remembers. And by the time that Luke had stripped the slender wand of its bark, they arrived at the corner of the wood where every Sunday they took breakfast. They found the two bricks which they had hidden in the thicket, and they kindled a little fire of branches, over which to roast their blood-pudding at the end of a bayonet. And when they had breakfasted, eaten their bread to the last crumb, and drunk their wine to the last drop, they remained seated side by side upon the grass, saying nothing, their eyes on the distance. Their eyelids drooping, their fingers crossed as at mass, their red legs stretched out beside the poppies of the field, and the leather of their shakos and the brass of their buttons glittered in the ardent sun, and made the larks, which sang and hovered above their heads, stop short. About midday they began to turn their eyes from time to time in the direction of the village of Bézon, because the girl with the cow was coming, she passed by them every Sunday, on her way to milk and changed the position of her cow, the only cow of this district which ever went out of the stable to grass. It pastured in a narrow field along the edge of a wood a little farther on. They soon perceived the girl, the only human being who came walking across the land, and they felt themselves rejoiced by the brilliant reflections thrown off by her tin milk-pail under the flame of the sun. They never talked about her. They were simply glad to see her, without understanding why. She was a great strong wench, with red hair, burned by the heat of sunny days, a great sturdy wench of the environs of Paris. Once, finding them again seated in the same place, she said, "'Good morning. You two are always here, aren't you?' Luc Leganidec, the bolder, stammered, "'Yes, we come to rest.' that was all. But the next Sunday she laughed on seeing them, laughed with a protecting benevolence and a feminine keenness, which knew well enough that they were bashful, and she asked, What are you doing there? Are you trying to see the grass grow? Luke was cheered up by this, and smiled likewise. Maybe we are. She continued, Hein, that's pretty slow work. He answered, still laughing, Well, yes, it is. She went on. But coming back with a milk-pail full of milk, she stopped again before them, and said, Would you like a drop? It will taste like home. With her instinctive feeling that they were of the same peasant race as she, being herself also far away from home perhaps, she had divined and touched the spot. They were both touched. Then With some difficulty, she managed to make a little milk run into the neck of the glass bottle in which they carried their wine, and Luc drank first, with little swallows, stopping every minute to see whether he had drunk more than his half. Then he handed the bottle to Jeanne. She stood upright before them, her hands on her hips, her pail on the ground at her feet, glad at the pleasure which she had given. Then she departed, shouting, Allons! Adieu! till next Sunday." And as long as they could see her at all, they followed with their eyes her tall silhouette, which withdrew itself, growing smaller and smaller, and seeming to sink into the verdure of the fields. When they were leaving the barracks the week after, Jeanne said to Luc, ''Oughtn't we to buy her something good?'' And they remained in great embarrassment before the problem of the choice of a delicacy for the girl with the cow. Luc was of the opinion that a bit of tripe would be the best, but Jean preferred some burlingo, because he was fond of sweets. His choice fairly made him enthusiastic, and they bought, at a grocer's, two sous worth of candies, white and red. They ate their breakfast more rapidly than usual, being nervous with expectation. Jean saw her first. "'There she is,' said he. Luke continued, "'Yes, there she is.' While yet some distance off she laughed at seeing them. She cried, Is everything going as you like it? They answered together, Are you getting on all right? Then she conversed, talked to them of simple things in which they felt an interest, of the weather, of the crops, and of her master. They were afraid to offer her the candies, which were slowly melting away in Jean's pocket. At last Luke grew bold and murmured, we have brought you something. She demanded, What is it? Tell me. Then Jean, blushing up to his ears, managed to get at the little paper cornucopia and held it out. She began to eat the little pieces of sugar, rolling them from one cheek to the other, and they made lumps beneath her flesh. The two soldiers, seated before her, regarded her with emotion and delight. Then she went to milk her cow and once more gave them some milk on coming back. They thought of her all the week, several times they even spoke of her. The next Sunday she sat down with them for a little longer talk, and all three, seated side by side, their eyes lost in the distance, clasping their knees with their hands, told the small doings, the minute details of their life in the villages where they had been born, while over there the cow, seeing that the milkmaid had stopped on her way, stretched out towards her its heavy head with the dripping nostrils, and gave a long low to call her back. Soon the girl consented to eat a bit of bread with them, and drink a mouthful of wine. She often brought them plums in her pocket, for the season of plums had come. Her presence sharpened the wits of the two little Breton soldiers, and they chattered like two birds. But one Tuesday Luc Leganidec asked for leave, a thing which had never happened before, and he did not return until ten o'clock at night. Jean racked his brains uneasily for a reason for his comrades going out in this way. The next Thursday, Luc, having borrowed ten sous from his bedfellow, again asked and obtained permission to leave the barracks for several hours. And when he set off with Jean on their Sunday walk his manner was very queer, quite restless and quite changed. Curtheron did not understand but he vaguely suspected something without divining what it could be. They did not say a word to one another until they reached their usual stopping-place, where, from their constant sitting in the same spot, the grass was quite worn away, and they ate their breakfast slowly. Neither of them felt hungry. Before long the girl appeared. As on every Sunday they watched her coming. When she was quite near, Luke rose and made two steps forward. She put her milk-pail on the ground, and kissed him. She kissed him passionately, throwing her arms about his neck, without noticing Jean, without remembering that he was there, without even seeing him. And he sat there desperate, he the poor Jean, so desperate that he did not understand, his soul quite overwhelmed, his heart bursting, not yet expressing it all to himself. Then the girl seated herself beside Luc, and they began to chatter. Jean did not look at them. He now divined why his comrade had gone out twice during the week, and he felt within him a burning grief, a kind of wound, that sense of rending which is caused by a treason. Luc and the girl got up together to go and change the position of the cow. Jean followed them with his eyes. He saw them departing side by side. The red breeches of his comrade made a bright spot on the road. It was Luke who picked up the mallet, and hammered down the stake to which they tied the beast. The girl stooped to milk her, while he stroked the cow's sharp spine with a careless hand. Then they left the milk-pail on the grass, and they went deep into the wood. Jean saw nothing more but the wall of leaves where they had entered, and he felt himself so troubled that if he had tried to rise he would certainly have fallen. He sat motionless, stupefied by astonishment and suffering, by a suffering which was simple but which was deep. He wanted to cry, to run away, to hide himself, never to see anybody any more. Suddenly he saw them issuing from the thicket. They returned gently, holding each other's hands, as in the villages do those who are promised. It was Luke who carried the pail. They kissed one another again before they separated, and the girl went off after having thrown Jean a friendly good-evening, and a smile which was full of meaning. Today she no longer thought of offering him any milk. The two little soldiers sat side by side, motionless as usual, silent and calm, their placid faces betraying nothing of all which troubled their hearts. The sun fell on them, sometimes the cow lowed, looking at them from afar. At their usual hour they rose to go back. Luc cut a switch. Jean carried the empty bottle he returned it to the wine-cellar at Bison. Then they sallied out upon the bridge, and as they did every Sunday, they stopped several minutes in the middle to watch the water flowing. Jean leaned, leaned more and more over the iron railing, as though he saw in the current something which attracted him. Luke said, Are you trying to drink? Just as he uttered the last word, Jean's head overbalanced his body, His legs described a circle in the air, and the little blue and red soldier fell in a lump, entered the water, and disappeared. Luke, his throat paralyzed with anguish, tried in vain to shout. Farther down he saw something stir, then the head of his comrade rose to the surface of the river and re-entered it as soon. Farther still he again perceived a hand, a single hand which issued from the stream and then plunged back. That was all. The bargemen who ran up did not find the body that day. Luke returned alone to the barracks, running, his head filled with madness, and he told of the accident, with tears in his eyes and voice, blowing his nose again and again. He leaned over, he, he leaned over so far, so far that his head turned a somersault, and, and, So he fell, he fell. He was strangled by emotion, he could say no more, if he had only known. End of Little Soldier by Guy de Maupassant